Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another day of Bible study, and welcome to a day with our family. So we're just going to get back into 1 Samuel. Uh, we'll be starting in chapter 2 today. But before we actually get into word, um, get into the word, we're going to have someone open us up in prayer. So who would like to do that this morning? Promise? All right. Let's roll, sir. And speak up so everybody can hear you. Okay. God, I thank you for helping us to understand what you're teaching and making it where it's clear. And God, I also thank you for just providing for us and helping us to get through our work and survive. God, I also, so I also thank you for showing us what you mean, say word, and it's not just empty. Mm -hmm. Jesus, amen. 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 All right. Let's get to it. We're going over chapter two today. First Samuel chapter two. First Samuel chapter two, yes. yes. And it begins with Hannah's prayer. So who would like to read Hannah's prayer? Okay. All right, Kyla. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you, besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and those who stumble are girded with strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, and the hungry have ceased to hunger. Even the barren have borne seven, and she who has many children have become feeble. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. He praises the poor from the wait. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes and make them inherit the thorn the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. He will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength no man shall prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. For heaven, from heaven he will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the, will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Verse 11 is important. Then Elkanah went to his house at Raham, but the child. What? Ramah. Ramah. Sorry. That's okay. But the child ministered to the Lord before Eli the priest. So, how does everyone understand what happened here? What her prayer was or consisted of? Well, 
Well, honey, why don't you walk us through that? Because a lot of it seems like she's going nan and a boo boo. To to what's her name? And then uh, and <laughs> so right. Um, so yes, to Penina, it does kind of come off like she's mocking her now in sure. return and calling that a prayer. So. Well, what did you say, Layla? Well, it was like showing justice how the Lord does things. Yes, justice and how the Lord does stuff. Exactly. It is, and not justice and, oh, I got my way. Mm-hmm. But actually, if you really look at, at this prayer, the entire prayer is based off of the preceding verse, right? Chapter 1, verse 28. Mm-hmm. Where it says, uh, therefore I have lent him, as in Samuel, to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they, and then it says, so they worship the Lord there. Talking about Eli and Hannah. Really Elkanah as well. So in there, there is, there is worshiping the Lord. And in this prayer, it is completely out of humility and submission to the Lord. And is praising him and thanking him and exalting him for the thing, things, but in this case, answering her prayer. Mm-hmm. She received the thing she asked for. She, mm-hmm. Even though she may not have received it. Oh, no, she did receive it. Because clearly at the end it says, but the child ministered a little before Eli the priest, which means they left him there with Eli. Mm-hmm. So she was acknowledging the goodness of the Lord. As prayer actually should sound very familiar. Uh, if we look at Luke and chapter 1, starting in verse 46 through verse 56, we have Mary's prayer. So I'm going to go ahead and read that. We can see a lot of the similarities here as we look and say unpack the scripture. I'll read it, honey. Okay. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And then Mary remained there with her cousin for uh, three months. But the whole thing, right, even if you look at the preceding verses here in in Luke, uh, verses 43 through 45, it's talking about the Lord blessing Mary and granting her a son, uh, a child. The son. (laughs) Yes, exactly. The son of God. The son. So she was just acknowledging, just like we have Hannah here, acknowledging 
that she was blessed of the Lord. That the Lord has shown favor on her. Mm-hmm. And she was rejoicing in that. It's okay to, to rejoice in the Lord's goodness and blessing that he's poured out in our lives. Mm-hmm. It's not okay to rejoice and mock, if you will, the, at the expense of others. That's not what she's saying here. She's just acknowledging what the Lord's done. She considered herself poor or weak or, or lonely, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Lord makes poor, the Lord makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. She was acknowledging where she was at or felt like the emotions that were behind everything that she was experiencing. So she acknowledged those things, but she didn't let them override her faith, her trust, her, her hope. So, so she also addresses that in this prayer as well. Are you going to say something? Um, no, you can go ahead. I'll say it in a moment if there's an opportunity. No, oh, give me an opportunity right now. Oh, okay. Um, you, you see a concept that here that is very important in our spiritual walk, which is thanking God for what he's done and openly making a note of it and what I mean by that is to yourself I don't think she stood up and blew the trumpet and said everybody listen to this prayer real quick it's really good I think in her heart (laughs) in her heart she was making a memorial to the Lord and remembering the great things that he has done for her and acknowledging where the good came from which is important for all of us You, you remember when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt he said now don't don't get forgetful and think that somehow your hand brought you this strength, your hand got you this wealth and forget the Lord because that's wickedness. But he said, you should remember the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and brought you out by a mighty hand, et cetera, et cetera. And it's important to God that we acknowledge him and we tell him thank you from a genuine place, from a pure heart for the good things that he's done for us. And we keep that as a... a memory and a memorial before our own eyes so that way when the next event comes up we can go wait this is the same god that did this for me that brought me out of here that answered my prayer etc etc that did good things for me so i can trust him today because he's the same god yesterday today and forever Mm -hmm. so that's important to add to your when we are in faith and believing we receive and in our communication with the Lord, that that is a part of it to tell what the Lord has done. It doesn't mean you have to make a big scene and, you know, say, hey, everybody stopping people on the street and whatnot to tell them this per se, but you have to open your mouth, even if it's in your quiet time and go, you're the same God. Thank you, Lord. You were the one who did these things. And if you notice, these are things that they're very akin to what he promised in Deuteronomy 28, mm-hmm. that he'll make you the head and not the tail. He'll bless your kneading bowl and your basket and the fruit of your body and the fruit of your ground. So she's going, hey, God, the same stuff you said, you accomplished it. You are exactly who you said you are. You are the truth and, in fact, not a liar. So Exactly. While also referencing, as you were saying, who God is and, and some of his nature, his character, his attributes, his mm-hmm. omniscience, omnipotence and omnipresence she all that is is addressed in here i think one more thing it's important to know i don't think god was against peninnah no 
him blessing Hannah was not a, a slight at Peninnah, had nothing to do with her. So God is not a favorite picker. He does, the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord search to and fro over the whole earth, seeking someone that he may show himself strong to, someone who's believing him to do things. So he's looking for that person to bless them. So we equally all have that opportunity to be blessed by the Lord. Do you have anything else? Okay. Let me get a volunteer to read the next section. Uh, verses 12 through 17, please. Okay. Now the sons of Eli Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. And the priest's custom with the people was that when a man offered his sacrifice, the priest serving would come with a three-pronged flesh hook in his hand while the meat was boiling. Then he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, and the priest would take for himself all that the flesh had brought up. So they did in Siloam to all the Israelites who came there. Also, before they burned the fat, the priest's servants would come and say to the man who sacrificed, Give meat for roasting to the priest, for he would not take boiled meat from you, but raw. And if the man said to him, They should really burn the fat for the fat first, then you may take as much as your heart desires. He would then answer him, No, but you must give it now, and if not, I will take it by force. Therefore the sin of the young men were very great before the Lord, for men abhor the offering of the Lord. Wow. Mm -hmm. So we just have here Hannah, who is exalting in the Lord and rejoicing in who he is and what he has done. And then we have uh, immediately following Eli's sons, who it says they were corrupt mm -hmm. and they did not know the Lord. That's how it starts, going into their nature, their character. Mm. What did anybody else, we'll start with everybody else. How did you understand this or what did you get out of this section of scripture? Did anything no. jump out at you? Yes. Okay. So, like in the scripture, was talking about they should, and we was saying that also they burned the fat. Also, before they burned the fat, the priest servants would come and say to the man who sacrificed, "Give me for roasting to the priest, for it will not take bold meat from you, but raw." Okay. I noticed that I'm not. But before that chapter, it said they would put the meat inside of the boiler or cauldron and thrust the three pound flesh hook inside there and take up whatever meat that was. Okay. Like it was on the floor. So I was just showing that how the. How even. How you don't. How the. Eli's sons were wicked and also how they took up raw not cooked which is what? Unclean. Unclean. It's, it's the opposite of what the Lord described in the law, of what is supposed to happen. So it shows the, I'll say the backwards nature of these individuals and how they were. Whatever the Lord said, they were going to do the opposite. 
but also this is snatching something for themselves. The Lord in, in the law, which you find in the, the first five books of the Bible, specifically described the, the process, the order of how things were supposed to be, right? And there was already provision made for the priests at the temple. They didn't have to go out and do anything. Actually, they they specifically were given a portion. The Lord had a lot of a portion given to them from the people. And then in that, yes, the priests were, were to give a portion to the Lord from the portion that they received. However, in this, you see that they snatched it for themselves even right out of the, uh, let's say, almost the altar what was being boiled or cooked or sacrificed unto the Lord. They were trying to snatch it for themselves. They weren't even letting it go through the process exactly. of being put there. I mean, while the meat's still raw, that, that says a lot. Anyone have anything else they want to add or share? It almost seems like they were doing everything in their power to interfere with everybody's sacrifice. That's interesting. The word, in verse 12, the word corrupt in yes. here literally means sons of Belial. Exactly. Well, and then it continues right after and says they did not know the Lord. They didn't fear him, and by fear I mean more reverence. But there was no respect or reverence given to the Lord. They didn't know his nature, his character, his ways, his thoughts, which we are, we are to know, right? David says this constantly. Lord, teach me your ways. Teach me your thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts, but they're higher than my thoughts. Right? These are the priests. These are the ones that were supposed to educate the people on how to, well, on understanding the Lord. So his nature, his character, how to come into a right relationship with the Lord. But you see by how they were living, and as you just pointed out, interfering or preventing other people from doing what was right, from serving the Lord rightly and, and coming into a right relationship with him. Mm -hmm. It prevented that. It was doing the exact opposite. So, in other words, they were serving the devil. And you can see the concept of everybody has to come to the Lord for themselves. Exactly. They couldn't live off of, well, my dad knows the Lord, so we're good. You see, they were just as wicked. They grew up underneath daily watching their dad do the, the duties of the priest. They watched daily. They grew up into this household from children to an adult, right? But yet and still they had no relationship and not just like they were meandering around. We don't know what the truth is. They were contrary to God. They even, were purposeful in that. Even though they were that. raised in it. Even though they were raised. So each and every person has to make their own relationship, their own commitment mm -hmm. from their heart to the Lord if that's what they desire. You can't get it, well, my mom and dad are saved. We're good. My mom and dad know what's in the word. We're good. My mom and dad love Jesus. We're good. But you never apply yourself to it. Or if even on the contrary, which I know it's not you for, but setting yourself against the Lord. There's no secondhand relationships. Nope. It's not. And it also seemed like they were bullying the people. Mm -hmm. And... Not necessarily, well, they did teach him how to 
do wrong in the sight of the Lord, that they didn't keep the proper customs. They forced them to. Because they said, if you don't do it, we're going to take it by force. What do you think that means? No, I get that. I just mean that they were bullying and they were trying to instill fear more so than, I'm going to teach you how to do wrong. It's, I'm going to bully you and you're going to do whatever I want. Bully everybody in the temple. Right? Because of position. Their position as a priest in the temple gave them power, gave them influence. These are people that were supposed to know better. Yes, everyone has the, uh, say the onus is on them. They have the, their own inherent responsibility to know the Lord for themselves, right? It, it's constantly throughout the work. Study to show yourself approved, right? And talk about me often as you lay down in your bed, as you get up, as you go about your day. Right? So we don't forget the Lord, but also that we come into a, well, I'll say a proper relationship. But and by that, I mean, Truly knowledgeable of the Lord, who he is, his nature, his character, his ways, his thoughts, but that he is a, a friend that's closer than a brother. Mm-hmm. I should know the Lord for myself. So if there is error, I can refute it as the Lord leads, right? And then also, but even with the refuting, it's a more an admonishment. Hey, why don't we walk in this together? I can't depend on anyone else to do that for me. Nobody can. Um, you know, Paul, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. In other words, if for some reason he stopped following Christ, we shouldn't be following him. Follow the Lord. Serve him only, he says. That's why he can be, you know, Paul, that is, called himself a bondservant of Christ because there was no one else he was serving or um, uh, obligated to. It was whatever the Lord said. And ruled in his life. Even above himself. Exactly, even above himself. You know, many times in the word we see that God told them to bring their gifts willingly. And he loves a cheerful giver. But the way these um, Eli's sons were treating them, it made them despise the offering of the Lord. That made them, and it wasn't that they despised the Lord per se, but they despised the process and what happened to them. And so it actually made the people become contrary to the Lord in another matter, in their heart. Mm-hmm. Not just in their actions, but in their heart as well. And so that's that's why that was a great, um, a very great sin before the Lord. Well, they even address that in, in there, right? When he talks about the offerings. If he says, if the men say to him, they should really burn the fat first, then you may take as much as your heart desires, right? The whole thing was, that they already knew it was in their heart to do what they wanted. They're self-seeking, seeking pleasure, if you will, whatever they intended to do. Right? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, but also our actions are are dictated by what's within us. So there's something, right, and Proverbs tells us constantly, with all diligence, guard your heart. So it clearly was a a failure on all, all accounts, all parts here within this, this section of Eli's sons to, to guard their hearts, their ways, and make them pleasing to the Lord. So it's a lesson for all of us that we should, should learn from this, that we continue to walk with him, knowing him for who he truly is, not just the blessings and benefits that he pours out on us. Right? He says, seek first the kingdom 
in this righteousness, and then all these things are added. All right, let's continue in verse 18 uh, through 21. Who wants to read that? Okay. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, even as a child, growing alone in Ephah. Moreover, more his mother used to make him a little robe and bring it to him year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And Eli would bless and his wife would say, The Lord give you sentence from this woman for the loan that was given to the Lord. Therefore, they would go to their own home. And then they would go to their own home. And the Lord visited Hannah, so she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the same the child Samuel grew for the Lord. Mm, yes. Anybody have any comments or anything they want to share on this scripture? I mean, we haven't heard from you. Exactly. Well, the only thing that was interesting was the verse 18. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, and um, even as a child was wearing it. In 18, where it said, But Samuel ministered before the Lord even as a child wearing a linen ephod. When you think about it, children, like small ones that, like, like four or five, they're just learning to talk, and you don't really think of them like teaching or ministering before the Lord that way you would think somebody that's gone through grammar, I would say, that can make the proper sentence, but it, it, shows that it doesn't really matter your age. You can minister to him whenever he puts on your heart to do that. So that's why he was there because, yes, the Lord ordained him to do such a thing, but it's based on the person's desire to do that, to minister to the Lord. So age has nothing whatsoever to do where you are with the Lord. Like faith, everybody's given a measure, but whether you... No person has just like the exact same amount. It's based on how much you desire to have more of the Lord. You can be two years old and have an immense amount of faith if that's what you choose and desire to go after in your heart. And so Samuel decided that he was going to serve before the Lord, regardless of age or what people thought should be qualifiers for you to do this job. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anyone else? I would like to say that it seems like Hannah found favor with the Lord when she kept her word and gave Samuel and left him in the temple. That the Lord, kind of like a reward, I guess, that you you did this thing, and I know how hard it was for you. Here, let me bless you. Because instead of having just one son, she had four and two daughters. Mm-hmm. So there's something to be said about one fulfilling or being obedient to, mm-hmm. to the Lord. Two, fulfilling our vows to the Lord. But then three, whatever he gives us, remembering that it's his. Mm-hmm. 
So we shouldn't hold on to it and grasp it so tightly. Because even if the Lord had given her just Samuel, if she had, a, like we were saying yesterday, held on to him, refused to pay her vow to the Lord, as it were, mm-hmm. do you think she would have had any more? Only the Lord truly knows. But again, for he who's faithful with a little, you can be trusted with much, right? Okay, so she was found, she was, you could say, tested, mm-hmm. all right, in what she was going to do. Is she still going to seek him and be obedient to how, what she, to the Lord, but then also to what she had promised the Lord, the vow she had made with him? Mm-hmm. And in do, her, her obedience and her doing so, Lord knew that he could trust her with more. Mm-hmm. And you see her being rewarded, yes, blessed, exactly. I think that's a is something of note that we should remember and learn from. Don't try to latch on to things so tightly, even even the things that come from the Lord, especially the things everything comes from the Lord. But every good and perfect. Thing. Every good and perfect thing comes from the Lord. So mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But that what I'm saying is, even what we are blessed with, don't try to hold on to it so tight that the Lord can't ask for it from you, because it's His to do with what. He wills and pleases. He will supply more, obviously. We see that here. Absolutely. I think in this process, it, you know, it reminds me of the, the parable of the talents. Mm-hmm. The one that took the talent and did what was right with it, what, was, what they were supposed to do, more were added to them, right? Both of the, the two servants that took it and did what they were supposed to do with it more was added to them but the one that said no I'm just going to hold on to this one and buried it and was afraid to give it back to the Lord if you will that one only at the end had that one and even that one was taken from them and also you see that this this woman like Abraham learned how to trust God and receive from him we talked about faith you know a few minutes back and the the process isn't complete unless you remember what God has done for you. So she learned that process. She learned to come and ask the Lord. Don't sit around sulking and moaning and groaning about it. Come and ask the one who has the answer, which is the Lord, the Most High God. Come ask him and trust him and believe him that he will hear you and that he loves you and he will answer you. And then stay in faith. Stay in faith concerning it. There was time between when she asked the Lord for a child, male child and conception, and then from conception to birth. There was time in between that she had to endure in faith. And then once the, the promise was made fully um, visible or manifest to everyone else, she still had to continue through with her, her commitment and still praise the Lord. She didn't give him back. She didn't take him and go, Oh, Lord, here he is. You know, I really don't want to do this, but I'm doing it because you made me, God, you're all making me do, you know. She didn't grumble and complain about it. She She was cheerful. Could have totally turned that direction. And many people have. And when it comes to paying their vow, they want to get the good thing from the Lord, but they don't want to complete the process that they said or that's required. And she didn't grumble and complain, but instead she continued to believe God was good and would care for her son. And so she learned how to receive from the Lord and and kept going and kept going. But she still had to participate in that. She still had to trust God and believe him. It wasn't like 
as though because she had Samuel, then all of a sudden now she doesn't have to use faith anymore. Because as a mother having given birth four times, I had to use my faith for each and every one of you. I couldn't go, oh, I did this already. Put no care and concern into No, nope. no, no. It required my faith. Every moment. Just the, con, the, exactly. the carrying process and then the birthing process. I had to use my faith all the time. I still have to use my faith. I was going to say, and now <laughs> in the raising process. Yes, I still have to use my faith. Absolutely. Anybody have anything else they want to add? Sit pause there for today. Okay. There's there's a lot, and there's a lot to, to ponder and to meditate on. So let's do that for today. We'll end there, and we'll pick it back up tomorrow. And chapter 2, 1 Samuel chapter 2, we'll begin in verse 22 tomorrow. All right? Oh, we'd like to close this out in prayer. Okay, go for it, sir. Lord, I thank you for this time that we come together in your word, Lord. I just thank you for all the insight and depth that you have given it and given the knowledge to us, Lord. Lord, I also thank you for blessing us with this example to live by, Lord, so that way we don't have to go through the same mistakes and the same trials and troubles that they did here, Lord. I just thank you for continuing to be with all of us in our lives, Lord, and other people's lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Charles. Thank you. All right. Well, everybody have a great day. God bless you. God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you again tomorrow. God, Lord willing. God bless. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.